Hi everyone, this is Haley from Inside Scientific, the online environment for life science webinars, virtual events, interviews, and educational content that helps you do your best work. Today's episode of Expert Answers features Dr. Satish Raj and Kate Bourne from the University of Calgary, who recently joined us for a webinar on the subject of POTS. Dr. Raj is a cardiologist by trade with a research focus on autonomic disease. Kate Bourne is a rising star in his lab and a winner of the very prestigious Canadian Institutes of Health Vanier Scholarship. She is working on research looking at the effects of compression garments as a potential treatment for POTS patients. Let's dive in. The first question uh, is uh, for Dr. Raj. What would be the best way to direct physicians who say they know nothing about POTS? Where would you point them first? So um, the challenge the challenge with physicians that say they know nothing about POTS is whether they want to know something about POTS or not. Yeah, I wish I could tell you everyone was eager to learn everything about everything, but that's not true. That's probably not true for me or, or any of the other physicians that are on the call. So they have to be interested. And, and if they are interested, I would suggest a few things. That there are some excellent medical review articles. I can point you to stuff I wrote, but, but perhaps more pressingly, there's an article in the Journal of Interactive Cardiology that came out last year uh, out of Texas. There's an article, there are articles written by Arthur Federoski out of Sweden. They're all excellent sort of general reviews of POT. Everyone has a slightly different bent or take on it. That's a place to go. But the other quicker place is the, a lot of the patient advocacy groups, so Dysautonomy International uh, in the States, POTS UK, in England, um, standing up to POTS, they all have slightly different uh, tools and resources targeting both patients, but also information for their physician that you can take to your physician that is probably shorter and quicker to read. So that's where I'd start. Okay, thank you, Dr. Rush. Here is another question. What are your projections with regard to POTS and long COVID? I go back to uh, the old Niels Bohr line about predictions are difficult, especially about the future. I think uh, the, at least the initial uh, sense from places that got hit hard with COVID last spring is that there are a lot of patients with long-haul COVID or post-COVID dysautonomia, and there are definitely patients that developed COVID and then now meet criteria for POTS. What we need to understand is what that is and what that means. Um, in fact, the American Autonomic Society, I think, is working on a position statement to mainly to point this out. I'm not sure that we have any great insights, but I mean, I think there are a lot of questions that need to be answered. Is there something special about COVID causing POTS? Is, you know, before COVID, the therapists who developed their POTS presentation after a viral illness, is this a more generic viral presentation? Are they different? And this is going to have a resource impact, I think, clinically. I mean, most POTS clinics in North America have very long waiting lists, uh, most autonomic centers. And I think this will extend that. So the hope is that we can increase the throughput in clinic. We can increase the number of physicians seeing these patients and trying to help them. Um, and it'll have research implications, and hopefully we can get funding for un to understand what the true implications are. Yes, so it's very important to have more research and get more experience uh, with that in the upcoming uh, period, right? Absolutely. I mean, the research is going to be there are lots of, this will raise a lot of questions, and it's going to take work and money to find the answers. Yes. Okay, thank you. Here is another question, more on the on the treatment of uh, of patients with POTS. Um, what is the role for IV fluid, fluids uh, in long term management? So I'm going to answer the question two ways, right? I, most a lot of the POTS patients we see are hypovolemic. A lot of our strategies involve salt water. Even the compression involves with shifting involves shifting fluid around and increasing blood volume. And saline 
uh, infusions are a very effective way of acutely increasing blood volume and acutely salt loading, sodium loading. And I'd say that the vast majority of patients, if they're feeling un- particularly unwell for whatever reason, they got a liter or two of saline, the vast majority, well over 90%, feel acutely better. The problem is it doesn't last. Um, so the question here, I think, is, well, what about over the long term? And should patients get saline repeatedly? In theory, if given in high enough doses, saline can be harmful. But the true, in truth, that usually is not the issue. The problem is getting the saline into the body. If it's a one-off or if it's a, you know, a short-term intervention, you might be able to do this with a purple intravenous catheter. Every time you do that, you lose a bit of that vein and can't access it in the future. And so we enter down, a, you know, a path that we've seen many times where patients will go from purple catheters to pick lines to central lines, portacaths often. Um, and the concern is the complication risk, the long-term access. And we've certainly seen many patients with life-threatening complications in many cases. So for that reason, long-term saline as a regular therapy is actually a class three indication from different society guidelines, including the Heart Rhythm Society. Um, and class three basically means don't do it routinely. It doesn't mean that there aren't very special and exceptional circumstances where you may want to do it, but the risks may outweigh the reward. Um, and in this case, it's potentially life-threatening risk versus symptomatic reward. Yes, so that's also important to take into account then. Okay, thank you, Dr. Roche. Um, um, for the sake of time, uh, we will have uh, one more question that is a bit more uh, about the research for POTS. Final question for today is, uh, what are the gaps in the research around non-pharmacological treatments uh, for POTS, in your opinion? Question for uh, Dr. Roche. Is this? Oh, yeah, our, our, uh, Kate uh, is welcome to answer it as well, of course. Sure, I will start and then uh, Dr. Rosh uh, maybe can provide some more information. Um, I think one of the challenges with the non-pharmacological managements of POTS is, is just the lack of sort of evidence and research. So with the compression data, although compression garments were commonly prescribed, there wasn't actually sort of a, a clinical trial that demonstrated their efficacy. So I think being able to provide uh, sort of evidence to support them, support them and, uh, you know, show that their their valid treatments is, is definitely something to work on in the future. And I'm not sure, Dr. Raj, if you have any additional thoughts. No, I, I, mean, I think you hit the nail on the head. I mean, we, we do a lot of things with non-pharmacological approaches, as well as a lot of the pharmacology that are based on poor data based on, you know, on traditional randomized trial assessment that we all are used to from sort of the other parts of our specialties that doesn't exist. And, and we really need to take a systematic approach to assessing different interventions, right? That's the only way we'll really be able to come up with a good evidence base with which to treat our patients. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Expert Answers and that you'll tune into future episodes where researchers just like you answer questions about their work, offer tips, tricks, and best practices, but most of all, share science. Don't forget to subscribe.